Uh, let's pray as we get into it. Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that it is uh, helpful for all kinds of things. And uh, we thank you that it is all true and God-breathed. And we can learn from it. Uh, learn how to be closer to you. Uh, learn how that you, you have saved us from our sin. Uh, so we can spend eternity with you. Amen. Uh, I'm sure we've all been uh, in a situation time where we've had uh, to interact with someone who's uh, dealing with the loss of a loved one. And I'm sure that we can agree that it's always hard to know what to say uh, to them or what to do. Uh, and really, when the time comes, we're not actually prepared uh, for it. Back when I was a, a trainee at my, my first church at MTS, uh, when I started, there was four of us on staff, but as time went on, it dwindled down to two, just me and the rector, and the rector took his long service, 10 weeks uh, without him, which was fine. We had a, a stand-in, a locum. Uh, the problem was he also took two weeks holidays before that, so for two weeks, I was the only staff member there. Normally, that wouldn't be a problem because we have rosters and things going on. I just had to make sure no one burnt the building down, uh, and then if something did happen, I'd 200-odd congregation members to help out. Although uh, the first Monday I was riding solo, I was sitting down eating my breakfast, young, hopeful guy, uh, and I get a phone call. Hey, Matt, it's Naomi. Uh, Sally's mum's just been rushed to hospital. She's on life support and she's not going to make it. You need to get here. I was 23. The most sensitive thing I'd ever said was telling my mum her cooking wasn't half bad. You know, I had no idea what to say. Uh, I didn't even know if I would be able to get into the ICU. Uh, although, carrying a Bible uh, opens a lot of doors. So I was able to get in. But I still had no idea what to say. And what, what could I say? This girl was a couple of years younger than me, uh, and she was about to lose her mum. You see, nothing I could have said would have fixed the problem. In situations like this, there's nothing that we can say that uh, will fix the problem. The thing that counts is saying something. Saying something is always better than saying nothing. They just need to know that we're there if and when they need us. See, it's not what we say that counts. And while uh, it's not what we say that counts, what we say still matters. Yeah, a 92-year-old woman loses her 95-year-old sister. What do you think the most common phrase is said to this 92-year-old woman? That's a question I want an answer to. What would you say to her? She's had a good life. What a terrible thing to say. And yet, it is, that's what I would have said for a long time. It's okay. She was old. <laughs> is that supposed to make you feel better? Why is the loss of a 30-year-old a greater tragedy? This woman has known her sister for 92 years. That loss can literally kill her. So while saying something is always better than saying nothing, what we do say matters. In our passage today, we're going to see uh, the same sort of thing. Although we're not talking about consoling the bereaved, we're going to be looking at uh, what, actions, what our actions do to contribute to making us righteous. Uh, and to, to see, uh, you see, in order to become righteous in the, in the sight of God, uh, we need to have seen, uh, to have done nothing wrong. 
Uh, and we're going to look at uh, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the last days of Lot's life uh, to see what it does. We're going to see that it's not what we do that counts, but what we do does matter. Uh, before we get into that, uh, it's important to understand why we even care about being righteous in the sight of God. See, in order to have eternal glory with God, we need to be righteous in the sight of God. You know, right to his standards. And being righteous means have, have done nothing wrong. Being perfect, being sinless, being blameless. Not according to human standards, but according to God's. And to put it in a negative way, uh, in order to prevent yourself going to hell and suffering eternal damnation, God needs to see you as righteous, as having, having done nothing wrong, completely blameless. So getting to the status of righteous in the sight of God is important. How are we going to get there? We're going to jump into our passage today and take a look. Uh, we're going to actually start halfway through uh, chapter 18. It's where the story of Sodom and Gomorrah starts. Uh, and in this section, God tells Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And this news causes great distress to Abraham, yeah, which uh, is the reaction I expect we would all have if God came up to you and said, I'm going to destroy these two places and all their people. And Abraham, being the good bloke uh, that he is, he pleads with God. He says, God, if you could find just 50, 50 righteous people Please spare everyone, which God agrees to. He says, okay, if I can find 50, I will spare them all. Now, depending on the pool of people that God had to pick from, finding 50 could seem like a challenge. If you had you know, 100 to pick from, you, you had to find half of them to be righteous. If it was a bigger uh, selection of people, you'd think it would be a lot easier. Uh, and normally we think that Sodom and Gomorrah are two towns, kind of like Orange and Bathurst. In size, not in wickedness. <laughs> but they're much bigger than that. They are, they are big towns. They're, they're more than big cities as well. They're more than uh, just, say, Melbourne and Sydney. You know, and if we were to ask uh, for certain people, I'll give you a description of someone, and you need to go to Melbourne and Sydney and find just 50 people that fit that description, we would be pretty confident that we could do that. But the place here that uh, God is talking about destroying is probably more like the size of New South Wales. And you're a huge place with a huge amount of people. But the thing is, Abraham knows that this is an impossible task. And so he continues to ask God to drop the number of righteous people he needs to find. Uh, and as they're sorting the number out, God finally agrees to finding just five people. All he needs to do in this huge pace and this huge amount of people is find five righteous people and he will spare everyone. And now, a quick side note. When people ask you, how does a loving God allow so much wickedness? How does a loving God allow his people to walk through whole towns and cities and kill everyone? And we see that happen in the Old Testament. I want to come to this part of Scripture and take a look. See, God is a loving God. And he punishes people because of their wickedness. He does not punish righteous people. You know, he doesn't punish uh, the masses because of a certain few. He was prepared to save the masses 
because of a certain few righteous people. The problem was he couldn't find even five righteous people. And we know that uh, because uh, chapter 19, God sends two of his angels in to find five righteous people. Uh, I'm sure we know the story. We just had it read out to us. The angels were met at the gate by Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew, who insisted that these two men stay with him uh, because the streets were unsafe. But not even Lot's place was safe because men, both young and old, from all over the city came looking for these two men. And in order, verse 5, have a look there. Where are the two men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we can have sex with them. Every man wanted to have sex with these new people. But Lot says no. And the crowd, they were insisted. They really wanted to. And Lot, he thought about this problem logically. How could I fix this problem? How could I, I stop the crowds taking advantage of these men? He comes up with the most logical plan. I'll give him my daughters. Surely there was another option. And even if that was the only option, I'm, I've got one daughter and another one on the way, if that was the only option, I would be throwing those two men out. I mean, what? he doesn't have a great record of decision making. But, but this is next level. And despite Lot's bad parenting, uh, everything works out and no uh, sexual interaction takes place. The angels tell Lot to flee with his family uh, because Sodom is about to be destroyed. They couldn't find five righteous people. So Lot grabs his wife and his two daughters and he tries to tell his son-in-laws, his son-in-laws who don't believe him, and so they stay in Sodom and die and they flee. And Lot's wife, because of her love for Sodom, turns around. And they were told not to turn around. And because she did, she also dies, turns to salt. And so the six people that could have been saved end up to be half the amount, and three were saved. Lot and his two daughters were saved, and then spent some time in a small town called Zorah. And before long, Lot takes his daughters and he retreats to the caves to live out the rest of his days. Uh, and when the three are living in these caves, we get to see that Lot's daughters uh, inherit their dad's decision-making skills. And here's the problem, right? Lot's getting old, and he'd soon die, which means that his daughters, they wouldn't have any man to take care of them. Now, in today's society, what does that matter? You tell the girls to get a job in their own place, you know, take care of themselves. They're strong, independent women. But back then, the culture wasn't like that. If they didn't have a man to look after them uh, or to, to carry the line on, these women uh, would see poverty uh, and hardship and probably death pretty quickly. So that's the problem. They would have no man to take care of them. The solution's quite easy. Find a man. So Lot's daughters need to find a new man or men to look after them. But how to find this man or men? How would you, that's another question I'm putting out there I want answers to. How would you go about finding someone to take care of you? 
<laughs> Internet dating. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Go down to the local tavern, I think they called it back then. Stand on the street with a sign. Man wanted. Would you get your father drunk so you could know him in the biblical sense? <laughs> no. <laughs> no one would do that. But that's what these girls decided to do. They each had a go, both got pregnant, and they both had sons to take care of them. And that's the last we hear of Lot. Until he pops up uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, God rescued Lot, a righteous man. Lot, a righteous man. You know, the same lot that selfishly took the good pasture from Abraham. The same lot who offered up his daughters to be raped. The same lot who let his wife have one last look at Sodom and die. The same lot who uh, suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. The same lot who got so drunk that he couldn't tell that he was sleeping with his daughters. Yeah, that same lot Peter calls righteous. Because when it comes to being righteous in the eyes of God, it is not what we do that counts. There is nothing that we can do that makes us righteous. If it was up to our actions, trust me, Lot would not have been saved. So what was it that made Lot righteous? Well, it's the same thing that made Abraham righteous in Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Like Abraham, the only thing that made Lot righteous was the fact that God credited it to him. It was credited to him because he was faithful. You see, Lot was told to flee and not look back and he believed the Lord. Lot was faithful to the Lord. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah's greatest sin was not their sexual immorality. It wasn't their poor treatment uh, of the needy. It was their lack of faith and trust in God, which is still the biggest sin of humanity today. Lack of faith and trust in God. And like I said earlier, the only way to eternal glory is to be righteous, just like Lot. And we do that the same way Lot did, by faith alone. Because it is not what we do that counts. We need to have faith in the the death that Jesus died. Jesus was nailed to a tree to take the punishment for all the times we turned our back on God. And he came back to life as proof that we would be credited as righteous if we had faith in him. Now I'm going to get a bit technical for a a few seconds, so I want you to stick with me uh, and listen carefully. So, this is my line. It's not what we do that counts. So, the argument could be put forward that isn't having faith something that we do? The answer to that is no, it's not. That's because even faith is given to us as a gift from God. God gives us the faith we need to have faith in Him. We cannot have faith unless God gives it to us. It is God who makes us faithful. So you see, faith is not something that we do. It is something that we have been given as a gift. 
so that through faith in the work of Jesus, God can credit us with righteousness. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 uh, states, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So one more time, it's not what we do that counts. Just like it was not what Lot did that counted. And while it's not what we do that counts, what we do does matter. And I want to look a few people for this. Our first, Lot's wife. You know, when we, uh, when we give our lives to God, it doesn't give us a free pass to do whatever we want. Lot's wife was fleeing, uh, like the rest of them, fleeing for her life. But she wanted one last look at the life she had. You know, she loved that life. And because of what she did, she was turned to salt. See, she wanted her cake. She wanted to have her cake and eat it too. Uh, I didn't actually understand that statement until a few years ago. Why would you have a cake and not eat it? But, but if you eat the cake, you no longer have the cake. So you can't do both. But Lot's wife wanted to have her cake and eat it too. She didn't want to be punished for rejecting God, but she didn't want to live God's way. She didn't want to not reject God. And that doesn't work. You can't reject God and not get punished. So being a Christian, following Jesus, will mean that we'll have to give some things up from our old lives. But let me tell you, that's a good thing. You know, we've all heard the phrase fake news. Well, the world gives us fake happiness, fake fulfillment, fake comfort, fake security, fake contentment. And giving them all up or using them the right way, how God intended, will give us real and great happiness and fulfillment, comfort, security and contentment. Well, it's not what we do that counts. We can reject God and his offer through the decisions that we make. So we need to be careful and prayerful because what we do does matter. Our second, Lot's daughters. Now, you've got to give them a bit of a break because uh, they didn't have the greatest role model uh, in their father. I mean, could you imagine being offered up to a mob of men? That would mess you up a little bit. And so first thing we need to see is that we need to be a good, godly example to our children and the children around us because the decisions that we make today will affect them in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. What we do and decide to do now really matters. And the daughters themselves make one or two horrible decisions. You know, they gave birth to the Moabites and the Ammonites. They were Israel's two greatest enemies these women made a few bad choices and it caused countless sorrows for countless amounts of people. See, the Moabites and the Ammonites were horrible people who cared for nothing but themselves. You see, when it comes to being righteous in the eyes of God, it's not what you do that counts, but what you do does matter. Uh, finally, really quickly, I don't want this uh, to put so much pressure on us 
that we're too afraid to make any choice just in case it turns out to be horrible. We need to remember that God is sovereign over all and works for the good of his will. Jesus, we all know, comes uh, in the line of David, King David. Can someone tell me who David's father was? Jesse. Who was Jesse's father? That's cheating. You're the minister. (laughs) Obed. Who was Obed's mother? Does anyone know that? Ruth, a Moabite. See, God always works for the good of his glory. We need to be carefully thinking about the decisions we make. But sometimes we're going to make the wrong ones. We will stumble and fall, but we need to take comfort that God is always in control, working for the good of his glory. We need to be thankful that it's not that we, what we do that counts to make us righteous. But we need to be careful because what we do does matter. And we need to take comfort that God is in control. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that it's not anything that we do that makes us righteous because we know that we would fall far short. We thank you for saving us through our faith. Lord, as we go out, help us to be faithful. Help us to be making the right decisions, one that glorify you. We thank you that you are in control in all that we do. Amen.